everybody. Welcome to the 282nd edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage, chilling live and direct. We're about to talk about a very dominant college basketball player. I think this might be one of the ones where we disagree the most, but Dustin, let's intro Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray from the University of Iowa. He is a combo forward, stands 6'8", weighs 225, 21 years of age, uh, from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, uh, unheralded recruit, just a three-star by Rivals.com. Rivals shows Iowa as Keegan Murray's only offer. Like Anthony Simons, uh, Keegan spent a post-grad year at um dme sports academy in daytona beach florida anthony was obviously at img academy uh some little bit of background on keegan he was a honor roll student all four years in high school also lettered three years in golf uh father kenyon played at iowa from 93 to 96 uh, mother Michelle. He actually has a twin brother, Chris, who is also a sophomore at Iowa. So when I was first watching them, it took me a while to figure out which one was Keegan and which one was Chris. Uh, he also has a couple of siblings, McKenna and Demetrius. Uh, he was a 2021 All Big Ten freshman team member on the season right now. Iowa is having a fantastic year uh, coming off of I mean, they lost Luca Garza, which was one of the, the country's best players, and they really haven't missed a beat. They're currently 22-8. and eight. They're 24th in the AP poll, 25th in the coaches poll. Uh, and Murray it has really been putting up, I would say, player of the year uh, type of numbers so far for Iowa. I mean, you could debate whether it's going to be Oscar Shibway or Benedict Matherin or any number of, of big, big 10 players, but Keegan Murray has as, has as good of a case as any at national player of the year in those 28 games. Murray is averaging 23.3 points, shooting 56% from the field, 36 and a half percent from three 72 from the line, pulling down uh, 8.6 boards, uh, averaging uh, 1.3 assists, two blocks, 1.3 steals, just 1.1 turnovers in 31 minutes of action. His advanced stats are crazy. The 38.4 player efficiency rating is the highest of any prospect that we have scouted so far. Uh, The numbers are really jumping off of the board for Keegan Murray. Uh, He has six double-doubles this year, uh, including a 27.21 rebound performance against North Carolina Central. Uh, The game we are looking at is from January 6th of this year against uh, a very talented Wisconsin team that took home the Big Ten regular season title. But, you know, we both also have caught some games uh, of Murray over the course uh, of the season. So we will, you know, dabble into which game we're talking about or just pull from observations really from this entire season. Yeah, at, at this point in time, it's like we watch one game just so we have some point of reference that we can agree on, and then we just watch other games to have well, a more well-informed opinion of uh, of these prospects. So can I can I tell you my thought process when I first watched him? He, he did really well in this Wisconsin game. Obviously, Johnny Davis, I think, was the shining star of that game. 
Yeah, Keegan Murray, just just for reference, 27 points on 10 of 16 shooting, 50% from downtown, got to the line nine times, five boards, three blocks, a steal in 35 minutes of action. So yeah, he, it was a fantastic performance. Mean, he, he kept them afloat. Pure production, not, not really like this isn't the comp section, but pure production. Do you remember uh, Frank Kaminsky in his, I think, junior year, not senior year? Like that level of domination on another another team. Like he is their only really good player. So smart teams are going to target him. But when he gets that chance to show off his game, you you get to see something. I, I think what really he is as a as a prospect is a guy that can potentially spread the floor. I believe in his jump shot. I think it's like a 35, 36% jump shot. I believe that he's a catch and shoot guy. I think he, he is a catch and shoot three point shooter. That is a, is a plus team defender that rebounds well and can attack closeouts and play make a little bit. I think that is the general, like when you're selling Keegan Murray, when you're in the draft room trying to sell Keegan Murray, that's the type of player that you're selling. The problem is when I watched him, I, I feel like the beginning of the year, he was playing at just some crazy apex as a defender. And as the year's gone on, because of the scoring load that he has has to burden, I see him getting a little bit lazy on his defense. I don't see the, the rotations as well because this was a January game. I was seeing like a plus defender. But when I was watching some older tape, I was like, holy shit. The tape that I was watching with John against Johnny Davis isn't the good tape. When he was in the beginning of the season, he was just like the effort was A plus. And now we're just seeing like an A. So um I mean, I think that's to be expected. Like Iowa was not projected to be a good team this year. As I mentioned, they they lost Luca Garza, who was a fantastic collegiate basketball player. And that and- shooter he is doing everything for the Iowa team. Like that Iowa team is not good. The fact mm. that they are in contention in, I think probably the best conference in America speaks to how dominant he's been on, on this level. Like when I watched him, it may have not been at the level that you mentioned earlier on, but I thought he was getting switched onto guards. He was holding his own. Um, he had, he has a really high IQ defensively. Uh, stayed with Johnny Davis instead of um, early on in the game, uh, Wisconsin was trying to run offense and he was defending Johnny Davis. And he's like, no, I'm not going to double team. Even if there's a mismatch, I know Davis is one of the premier shooters and I don't want to get him going. Like that, that was a, an intelligent play to just stay with his man, to stay with the best player on the floor. Like so many times you get uh, players that try to do too much and they end up making mistakes. They end up getting out of movement or out of position. Um, I think he held his own against Davis on multiple occasions. And I think he shows potential to to defend at least three positions um, at the next level. I I think it's almost what are those three positions? Two through four. Okay. Like I, I I, I think he's just a straight four. And I think he can, he's, he's mobile enough that he can stick. Like he could stick with Josh Hart right now. No. Um, yes. Josh, absolutely. Josh, I mean, I would have felt better if you said some, a, a bigger powerful wing instead of no, a guy that no, can play, make a little, bit. he can stick with Josh Hart. Uh, I don't have, I don't have any qualms about him 
defensively, especially the burden that is being put on him offensively. Like we've seen this with Damian Lillard, not be able to give anything on the defensive end because he's shouldered with so much of, of a load offensively. Like, and, and I'll talk to a game that I was watching. I was watching them play Nebraska and it was at Nebraska. Nebraska at the time was like one in 15 in conference and they were selling out to not let Keegan Murray beat them. He had 37 on them, I think, just a couple of weeks ago in, in Iowa. So th- they already knew what he was capable of. So he's not only shouldering the load offensively, but he is now getting the attention of 10 eyes on him at, at all times. And you, the toll that gets taken on you, like I think that's, that's really challenging. So when he's not going to be a number one option in, in the NBA. I don't think anybody is saying that. But you see players that when they start to play with talented guys around them, it, it opens up so, so much. I mean, you look at, at any time the Blazers have had any talented uh, teammates around Dame, his game has elevated. Um, you even look at the game uh, with uh, the Blazers against the Suns. Anthony Simons had 11 points in that first quarter. Then Phoenix kind of took him out of the game because they're like, no, wait, we're going to let CJ Ellaby shoot the ball. We're going to let Elijah Hughes shoot the ball. We're not going to let you touch the ball. So I, I think he is going to have that A plus energy uh, on the defensive end because he's not going to have to be the, the primary option. Now, is he going to be a Mikhail Bridges type of defender? I don't know, but I think he's going to be at least a, a plus defender. I don't think you're going to have to worry about him at all on, on that side of, of the ball. I, it's, it's interesting to, to, to debate this, but I'm more concerned about what he looks like as an offensive player. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think defensively is his strong suit. I wanted to, I wanted to, to talk about the positives of his game where I think he is. I think he, that he, the, the way that they play their zone and the way that he is a part of every positional group in that zone, like he's playing at the hoop, he's playing in the press position, he's playing at the wing it shows the defensive versatility that he can bring as a, as a potential defender. The, the offense was where I was like, okay, I need to watch more tape that I I'm pretty much sold that he is going to be a good defender in the league. But, you know, as you watch more tape, there's more chances for him to improve and to uh, look worse. I, I kind of felt like, as the year has gone on, his defensive went from an A plus to like a, an A or an A minus. But I, I think that one of the things that kind of worries me is that he has that body where you think that he's really strong. But I watched the uh, Iowa State game and he was kind of getting pushed pushed around in the post. Do you think that he can bulk up? without losing any mobility? Because I, I I truly don't think that he has, that he can guard uh, three position groups. I think he can defend fours and some threes. So do you think that the, the uh, Portland Trailblazers staff could help him put on good strength without losing a lot of mobility into putting into that, that, that strength? I don't know how much more weight you'd want to put on that frame. Like he's six, eight two twenty five. Like I, I read Kerry Eggers, Kerry Eggers put out a book about Jerome Kersey and I was reading it and Jerome was talking about, and this was obviously interviews before Jerome passed, 
I mean, he was talking about how he kept putting on more and more weight. And like, he eventually reached a point where he put on too much and it was slowing him down. And he had one of his worst years. Like he was missing time. He wasn't as explosive. Like Keegan Murray's already not an explosive athlete. I, I don't think. Yeah, no, he is. But I, I don't, I, I think if you add more weight to the frame, I think it's going to slow him down. And I don't think he, he needs that like five to seven pounds of muscle. Obviously you get your NBA body, right. But I think lean is what is lean and getting quicker rather than bulking up and getting stronger, I think is going to be a better him in, in the NBA. You talked about being sold on him as a catch and shoot shooter. And I completely agree. I think when I watch him play, that's what I get most intrigued about, but obviously you're watching college basketball and it's no different than when you play in the YMCA or you play, um, you know, boys and girls club, the biggest player on the court, strongest player, they're always going to put you down low and they're going to try to get you buckets. That's Iowa has lived and breathed Keegan Murray dominating the post. Like he is a fantastic collegiate basketball player at sealing his man at he has great hands around the basket, great feel. That's not going to work in the NBA. There's only two players that do that in the NBA, and that's Jokic and Embiid. So you have to really remove that when you're watching Iowa basketball because, like, the coach is going to do what is best for Keegan at this level. He doesn't really necessarily care about how what he's doing now translates to the pros. Like, they're trying to win games now. So, yeah, the stats pop off the the, the, the page, but what – is a little worrisome to me. And this usually happens when um, prospects come into the league that have really lived off of just kind of bullying and punishing other defenders in the post is you look at Keegan and of his field goals made per game, he, he averages about 8.8 makes per game. Four of those come from the line and only 1.6 come from downtown. So you're really looking at only he averages 23 points. 20 of those points are coming probably either in the paint or at the line. I don't think he's going to be that type of player in the professional league. So, and when I think about that, it reminds me a lot of Michael Beasley. Uh, remove the off, off the court stuff aside, Beasley punished defenders, smaller defenders at K-State, and that's where he lived. And it just, it never translated. Now, granted, Keegan has a much better jump shot. Beasley had the better handle. I think it all really depends on your expectations for Keegan Murray. I think a lot of people see the stats. They see he could be a national player of the year, and, and they think it's, it's all going to translate. But every time he gets a touch in the post, you can just almost like close your eyes and go to sleep and wait for the next possession because it's just it's not going to happen. He has a three, I think, at the next level, can play some four. You're not posting up threes and fours in, in the league. I think the only way that that, that skill set is viable is if let's say that they do a full switch and Anthony can't get by his man, pass it to Keegan and he would post the, the, the small one and get points that way. I think the real, the, 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 uh, the weight gain is that there's such thing as show muscles and go muscles. I think Keegan Murray has show muscles and not go muscles. When he gets posted up by other other players, it kind of shows the uh, the uh, the uh, lack of strength. And it's weird to say that about a guy that's built like a brick shit house that he's not strong. But when when I watch him offensively, the the main thing that sticks out to me is that he's a really really good rebounder for his size at six eight. 
like that that shows the the skill set that he can show in the NBA because you you can't really you can't really say like we're going to post him up against other NBA players and it's going to be good offense. I think that would be the opposite of that. But when when he shows the touch off of a rebound that he can put up really fast, that shows some the uh, some strength in his game. What we need to see is that 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 consistent jump shot that I don't think they're going to show because they're competing and it, it's not a good team. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting was when he has space, he can kind of be a play finisher. I, I think w- because of Iowa and their bad team outside of him, they, they press him a lot and his handle is okay like it's functional but when he has space he can make the right read as a playmaker it's just with iowa spacing it sh- his handle looks really bad when i think it's just okay with during nba spacing what what did you think about the playmaking of keegan murray there was some pretty damn good passes in that wisconsin game yeah, that's interesting that you are talking about his playmaking. I specifically have in my notes he's not a playmaking threat. Um, I, well, I need to, conditions I, have to be perfect for him to be a playmaker. But I I, rem, I vividly remember. Oh, this might be his brother, but I remember one of the Murrays passing open uh, a cutting Iowa player. So I'm not saying his playmaking is good, but it was surprising to see the the ability of one of the Murrays, it might be the other one as a, uh, as a potential play playmaker. But I, I think his real value is going to be the hustle plays and potential catch and shooting. I mean, I, I think he has value in that he's six, eight and can handle the ball. Uh, he had a couple of coast to coast lands. He also had a couple where he got the fast break pretty- is where it looks like he has a functional handle. Yeah. But he also got picked pretty easily in the open court. Yeah. So, and that's from a collegiate defender. I mean, it's, it's going to need to be refined and tightened up, but he's mobile and, and nimble enough that you can, you can project that in, in a few years. Um, anytime you have a big that's, shows the ability to handle the ball. I almost think of like Nick Batum on the Blazers. You don't want oh, him crossing people over. To talk about. You don't want to see him cross over anybody, but like Nick got the outlet and he was pushing the ball up the floor. Like that, that was a six, eight small forward. I kind of envisioned that similar with, with Murray. Like that's probably to the extent that you want him uh, doing it. Um, but what I really see his value, not just, on the, the pick and pop or off the bounce. But if, if you're going to say, okay, he's six eight. If you want to play him against a smaller guy or a slower player, I, there was a couple of times where, and again, they're, they're really just dumping it down, loading him. There were a couple of times where he got the ball elbow extended and he was facing up. And I think he could be a true triple threat position uh, player in those scenarios where you give him a jab step, that's a bucket, or you come up too tight, he's going to go around you and fin- that's where I can see the finishing ability really coming in handy, not off of the catch, but creating for himself, you know, 10, 15 feet extended. So he has more potential offensively uh, to create for himself, but I, I agree. Like, I think he's going to be a, a lights out shooter. He, the form looks great. It looks pretty effortless. Uh, I think playing with, 
a couple of playmakers that know how to get him into his spots. Like if you put him with a, a Chris Paul or even throw back to Bill Walton, like somebody who knew where he wanted to go, he's going to uh, really take advantage of those opportunities, but he needs, he needs some, someone to set the table for him. Then he'll go to work. I, I had this written down that he is a grab and go type of dribbler. So like you were saying, I, I really don't see the mobility, man. I, I, I really think he's a strict four in the next level. Like I, I, I really don't think that he is as, as a uh, versatile as uh, we've been saying. And can I be real? If we drafted him with our first pick, I will be furious. I don't think he's that level of prospect. Like, let's just say we get the sixth pick. If we drafted Keegan Murray over some uh, some of these other prospects, I would be on this podcast talking about how bad Cronin is. Like, I, I, I don't see him at a star potential at all. I see him as the fifth starter. And when, when you use your fifth, your first pick in your first potential lottery pick on a guy that's a role player. Ah, I'm not particularly happy about it. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to look at the positives, but when I watched him offensively, I was like, okay, he put up 27, but it was mostly dunks and free throws. I have to see something else in his game. There's some limitations to his game that, I think that kind of worry me as a, as a prospect, especially that the whole, he's a post player, but is a, a pretty bad vertical athlete. That first game, I was like, yeah, he got 27, but it was underwhelming to me. So then I watched other games and I was like, okay, he's not going to provide that much scoring versatility, but the, the floor is pretty high. It's just where he's projected in tankathon as a top seven. I don't think he's deserving of that spot. I think that's pretty harsh. Um, I tried for the first part of this podcast not to talk, to to see the positives in his game. I, I just couldn't anymore. Like I, I, I am, I'm underwhelmed of him as the seventh ranked prospect on Tankathon. I think he's definitely uh, a top ten pick. You have to give a lot of credit to someone who shows growth. Um, this is really his first full season leading a team like he went from relative bench player backing up Garza to now this is his squad and I I value that when I see growth in progression from players that's why this draft is so fascinating to me you have so many sophomores that have really grown and developed their games I mean even over the course of this season uh, from when I watched them early on to what, what I see now uh, do I see a future Hall of Famer? No, I see a, a fringe all-star type of player. Like if you had just one pick and you took Murray and there were other players on the board, yeah, probably wouldn't be like super stoked. But to be honest, like him alongside Dame or Simons, they're going to set the table for him. Like he is going to be a really helpful player. Um, and, and what I talked about, I think on the last Future Friday is you have teams that try to go for the home run in the lottery, like outside of the top three picks, they always try to go like, Oh, I need the highest ceiling guy. A lot of teams would be wise just to take the double. And and I think that's what Keegan Murray is. I think he is one of the safest prospects in this class, very highly intelligent on the court, off the court. I don't think he is going to be worried about, Oh, I'm, I'm going to come in. I have to be the number one option. I, I don't see that. I think he's a really great team guy. 
I mean, I, I do, I think he's going to set the world on fire. No, but I don't think he's going to bust either. And I think when you're picking, you know, you, you did that when we were talking about potentially having like the 10th overall pick, like you threw out a stat, like it's very rare that the 10th overall pick like ever hits. Mm-hmm. You can get a guy that can be damn solid. If you can get the guy that played 10 years in the league as a, as a fifth starter. Okay. Like it's not ideal, but it's not like Zach Collins and Caleb Swanigan bad. Good job, bud. I, I still don't think he's that. Uh, I feel like he's still very underwhelming as a prospect. Like I don't usually go, I don't delay the, a recording of this podcast so I can look at more tapes so I can see is am I just like underwhelmed at that particular game or is it underwhelming as a prospect? Um, but I, again, defense, I don't really have that many worries about it except the mobility and then the uh, the verticality. I think that he is a good vertical, like he understands verticality. I just don't know if he's going to get vertical to. Uh, make some of the stops that Roy Rogers employs in the defense. So it's, it's a difficult one for me to, to be uh, excited about, but that, I mean, not every person's Jaden Ivy, not every person's uh, Paulo, not everyone's Chet. So again, like, you know, I think that he is, a very dominant player. And I think that his dominance in the college game is going to protect his value. But if I was in the, uh, in the uh, draft room for the Blazers pick and he was on the board, I would, uh, I would uh, tell uh, the the GM, we probably shouldn't use the pick on him. I mean, who, who are you taking? If, if all of your shooting guards are off the board, all of your bigs are off. Like, I, I just, I don't I like see Eason it. more. Okay, I think we would disagree there. I think Okay. All right. So Johnny Davis is off the board? Yeah, all the good shooting guards are off the board. Okay. I take Benedict Benedict Matherin over him and you know I didn't Oh yeah, like, Benedict Matherin's an absolute stud. Yeah, you know I didn't wasn't the biggest fan of him. So I would I would take Easton, I would take uh Ochai. I If we did a draft board now, he would he and Walker Kessler would fight for the bottom. And honestly, I might take Walker because I believe in the shot blocking and the feet and the hands. Okay. It is what it is. Yeah. Like my, my bottom, like my 50% comp, I think he's Dante Cunningham at the worst. Dante Cunningham played damn near 10 years in the league. He got a few contracts out of New Orleans. Great, reliable shooter. Obviously people set him up. Um, That's where I have him as my absolute floor. What do you have? I I might not feel good about this one, but I see him as Frank Kaminsky. Like I, the the, I don't know if he'll have the shot that Frank does, but like he's not gonna kill you and is gonna get some rotation minutes. And then they both dominated in college. I don't. I feel much better about my seventy fifth percentile than my fiftieth or hundred. Alfaro Camino. Because the, the the handle is very it is not good. He is a magnificent rebounder for his size. The touch on the jump shot can be really wild in terms of the misses and makes. It he doesn't he doesn't miss long or short. He misses wide too. So it kind it kind of was like when I was watching him, I was like, "Am I watching Farouk?" Who also was a lottery pick? Yes, yes, he and was who played. 
what, 12 years in the league at least and counting? I mean, yeah, but it was, an under, it was an underwhelming, uh, it was an underwhelming 10 plus years. Like I, I, I would, I disagree. I mean, you start for a Western conference final scene. Like that's look at that draft. That draft was nothing to write home about. So they, it was a decent pick at the time. So well, I yeah, think there's I, a lot to be said for filling out your roster with long versatile players who can defend and hit an open shot. Like I, I think there's always a spot for those type of players in the league. You, you can't always draft Dame. You yeah. just can't. The, the, the whoever creates people, whatever you believe in, they only created so many Dames, so many LeBrons. Like you, you need, you need others uh, to, to fill those roles. So I know that I said he reminds me of Fruk, and he was like he was a lottery pick for the Clippers. But I don't want to use my first over my first Blazers pick on Keegan Murray. Okay, I mean I can agree with that. Like I, there are other players I have high on the board. I'm I'm just I don't think he's as bad as as you're saying. I think the middle of the road. I think you're looking at like Harrison Barnes, Antoine Jameson. Ooh, yeah, damn, Harrison, bruh. Harrison Barnes, good defender, catch and shoot. High IQ needs others to set him up. That that's Keegan Murray. He's not going to make an all-star team as the middle of the road, but he's going to be a vital piece of a good team. Like that, I think that's what you're getting. Harrison so Barnes. This is, this is your 75th percentile outcome. Yeah, I, I, I had trouble. I had trouble with the uh, 99th, but I would just steal Harrison Barnes and put him at. That's what I think his top end <laughs> outcome would be. I mean, Harrison Barnes was also the seventh pick in the draft. He also needs others to set him up, and he struggles creating for himself. But he's not the fastest, but he's just smart. I mean, I, I just I see a lot of intelligence when I when I watch Keegan. Mm-hmm. I think the, the floor is so high. I think he's one of the safest prospects. I think the ceiling is one of the lower tiers mm-hmm. uh, in this draft. But if you if you do get two picks, I, I don't think there's a, a it's not a bad idea to swing for the fences on one and then make sure you hit your double on the other. Like, I think that that gives you a little, uh, you know, risk reward there. Like, I don't think you need to swing for the fences twice and I don't think you need to play it safe twice. Like, obviously, go best player available, but a good mixture of, you know, boom or bust is, is pretty good, especially with a, a really young uh, roster. Uh, who is your 99th comparison? Yeah, I'm going to steal yours and say Harrison Barnes. I, I, I had, I had Aaron Gordon because an, a, a less athletic Aaron Gordon because they both have that the potential shot. Like I, I know that uh, fans and people on Twitter think that Aaron Gordon is a actual shooter when he's just a potential shooter. So I kind of thought of uh, of Aaron, a less athletic Aaron Gordon. But I honestly like your Harrison Barnes comp a little bit more. Like the power forward version of Harrison Barnes is a better comp than my unathletic Aaron Gordon. Uh, my 99, um, I see it like this is why I say I don't think the ceiling is super high because I, I don't think there's much more higher for him to go than Harrison Barnes. And I think fringe all star is what he tops out at. Uh, and, and I did, I was watching a scouting video and this comparison came up and I was like, this makes a lot of sense. So if he is able to just create maybe one or two moves to score for himself, I think he's like Tobias Harris. You know, that that's actually a really good comp because when I watched the Iowa State-Iowa game, he disappeared for long periods of time. 
And if you looked at Tobias Harris's game log, there's a lot of like games where he's engaged and then a lot of games where he's not engaged. So I, I get that. And I think like the mentality is very similar. Like, let's be real about this Iowa team. If they're going to go anywhere, they need Keegan to do really well. And in certain games, he just, it isn't there. So I kind of get the disappearing act of Tobias Harris. And like, if you look at his statistics now that James Harden's there, it, it's literally nothing now because uh, Tyrese Maxey's doing well and Joel Embiid's a, a MVP candidate. So I, I actually do, I understand the Tobias comp. I just don't think he, his ceiling is that. But if you can draft Harrison Barnes in the lottery, I think you do it every time. It, with your set, if you have two picks and he is the second, sure. I just don't think he'll be there at, at at eleven or whatever it may be, and that's totally fine. Like honestly, if Portland ends up with like seven and ten, and you get your shooting guard at seven, and I was telling you this earlier, let's say San Antonio uh, calls up and says, "Hey, for we'll those give two. You eighteen and twenty-one in a second. For, yeah, I, I would do that. Like I'm not in love with the idea of Keegan Murray. I don't just loathe it like like you do um, i don't loathe it i'm just uninspired by his games <laughs> but yes i like if if trading him to san antonio i think i think san antonio would be a really good spot for him i think toronto would be a really good spot for him i think atlanta would be a really good spot for him but if if san antonio was willing to give us those two first round picks hello walker kessler and ochai <laughs> Yeah, I mean, or if, you know, another team, you know, offers we move down three or four or five spots and we get their first round pick next year, like to to gather assets. Like if Keegan Murray is like, how do I put this, this, this the best? Let's say you go into a restaurant and you're like, I really am like jonesing for a strawberry shake. I'm like, sorry, we're all out. But we have vanilla. I'm like, oh, okay. Like it satisfies you. It, vanilla is a great flavor and I would... <laughs> Keegan Murray is soda it, pop, bro. It's not strawberry. So you're like, you're like, oh, it's okay. Like you're not bummed, but you're not like super stoked because that's really what you wanted. Uh, that's how I feel about Keegan Murray. There, there are a lot of prospects in this draft. I would be through the moon. Um, I was worried that you were like really into him, and me not being into him very much was going to be like our biggest disagreement of the of the the draft cycle. But I still think it's Jaden Durant. Um, no, I think we disagree the most on AJ Griffin. Okay, that that is a very fair point. Okay, before we end this podcast, we witnessed a very, very, very entertaining college basketball game between Purdue and Wisconsin. Did Ivy's struggles in the first half worry you at all? And did Johnny Davis's inability to create separation against college? defenders scare you that much no when i watch games like i i can't get too high and i can't get too low right like i learned my lesson oh six portland's got a lottery pick i fall in love with march madness tyrus thomas is blocking the shit out of marcus aldridge he's dunking on people i'm like yeah he's gonna do that in the league portland drafts him and then they trade him for lamarcus I'm like what the fuck are you guys doing like i was just in love. And then fast forward a couple years, like, okay, there's James Harden. Like, I know we can't get it, get that pick, but I was like, James Harden, like I've seen him play at ASU, watched a lot of duck games. 
completely falls asleep in the tournament. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm kind of soured on this guy. Like what's, what's going on here. You can never get, I think too um, emotional one way or another watching college basketball. I've learned it's such a completely different game. There are so few prospects, just prospects throughout the course of time that just make it look so, so effortless. Even, even Kevin Durant, uh, had his struggles at, at, at Texas because he played on a pretty weak team. Um, so, so no, I mean, that was a big game. Uh, it was for the big 10 championship, essentially. Like it was a raucous environment. I think Jaden Ivey played in his head a little bit, but oh, then- yeah. the first half you couldn't, I don't think anybody was really saying that that was a good half. The second no, half was a good half. Yes, of course it was a good half. Like I was looking at his box score and I was like, he ends up with 22 points, shoots over 50% from the field and got to the line nine times. Um, that's a damn good line. And he played pretty terrible up to his standards um, for, for that game. So it's just Purdue plays a different style. They've got bigs. They're trying to dump it in. They're also trying to figure out if Jaden Ivey is going to be their lead ball handler or not. That's something that Arizona has made the switch. Instead of letting Kirk Krista run the show, they put the ball in Matherin's hands, and they have looked absolutely unstoppable. And in the process, Matherin has showcased incredible playmaking ability. It's all about the coach. It's all about the scheme. It's all about the strategy and, and your opponent. Like There are different objectives in college than there are at the professional level. Now, if Johnny or Jaden has a really bad tournament or maybe they have a bad big 10 tournament and then it lingers into the, 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 the big dance, then you might have some questions, but even then I, I always like to go to the combine and see maybe how they do there, how they, you know, would do an individual workouts. Um, even, even Jabari Smith has had moments where you're like, this guy's really the number one pick, but you also have to look who are the guards he is playing with you know that every team in the SEC is keyed in on him. And when Auburn actually gives him the ball and lets him operate, he does special things. That takeover at Mississippi State was unbelievable. I mean, that's all you needed to see. That's number one pick, signed, sealed, and delivered. So when you have a talented player at the collegiate level, just give them the ball, coaches, and let them fucking operate. I don't care if they're a five, a four, a three, a two, or a one. Good things are going to happen. And more times than not, you're going to see a prospect start to shine. But when they're getting the ball, like every fifth or sixth possession, it's really hard to get into a rhythm, especially in a high intensity, high energy game, such as Wisconsin and Purdue that you're going to get like, Oh shit. Like I got to make my move now instead of just like letting the game come to you. So long answer short, no, I'm not deterred. I think both are still amazing prospects and I would be thrilled if Portland landed either of them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the the lack of poppiness in 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 Johnny's game is a little bit worrisome, but at the end of the day, he's still a really really awesome prospect. So uh, nitpicking on his uh, burstiness and ability to create space is is a little. Uh, and I guess maybe that's where I don't worry as much because I don't see him as a number one option. I see him like Clay Thompson, as great as he is, is not a number one option. Clay is so good because he plays alongside Steph. What does Portland have? Fantastic point guard play. Johnny's life is going to be so much easier alongside of, of Dame or Ant, and then you got Nurk controlling the paint. So I guess when I'm looking at a prospect, it's like, I don't think Davis is necessarily the best two guard, but he'd be a really good fit. And like, how is, 
how is he going to? Yeah. So I don't think he's going to be able to take over a game um, necessarily with the ball in his hands, like an Ivy can do, like he shows that burst, but you can really see like, Oh, if he had another player of similar gravity to pull the defense away from him, because you like, you watch these college games and it's just like, they're packed like sardines in that paint and they don't want you to operate. So that's kind of where I am with Davis. I think I like Davis more than the most draft pro- pundits just because they may like look at like, Oh, can this guy be a number one? Can this guy do this, that, and that? Or I'm like, how does he fit in with the Blazers? How can he make us a better team? Um, I mean, you can even go back to your guy, Desmond Bain, like he may not be a number one, but he fits in so well with that Memphis Grizzlies team. And because he was in that situation, he's flourishing. And now if you do a redraft, easily go in the top 10. Quick before we sign off, as we record, it's early March. The madness is getting ready to begin. Give me a prospect that you're most excited to watch and learn more about in their conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament. And give me a prospect that you just would be terrified that Portland drafts. You've had more experience with Benedict Mathern. I need to have my time with him because I was per- we were both equally harsh. I think I might have been a little bit more harsh at the time. So I think I need to have like hopefully Arizona goes on a big uh, Pac-12 run and I can have my moments with him to just experience what he is as a prospect. That's the ball dominant player. Um, so yeah, I am absolutely willing and excited to watch him uh, develop in these high leverage spots. Um, a player I don't want to see. Uh, I don't want to see Memphis play and I don't want to see Iowa anymore. So I guess Jaden, I, uh, J- Jalen Durant and, uh, uh, Keegan Murray would probably be my top two. I don't want to see when I see Memphis on my YouTube TV. I'm just like, no, nah, I'm watching King of the Hill again. I don't need to. I don't need to put myself through watching another Memphis game. And then I think I was boring. They, they they play at a very fast pace and it's frenetic and that's cool. But it's, it's not kind of a boring brand of basketball that doesn't really excite me. So th- the same question right back at you, who are you most excited to see and who, who do you uh, not want to see? I mean, I think I'm just excited to continue to watch the, the shooting guard prospects. I think it's probably the best shooting guard class that I can remember following. You've got Ivy from Purdue. Purdue's a fun team to watch. Davis from Wisconsin. Uh, Matherin from Arizona. Uh, if you look all the way down, you've got uh, Kansas, who has, I think, if you, and I believe this will be our next future Friday, uh, Ochai uh, Abaji from uh, KU uh, actually trained with with Dame and his uh, trainer, Phil Beckner, uh, this past summer. Older guy, but could still probably come in and contribute right away. Oh, uh, uh, one thing about the age thing that I don't think either of us mentioned, Keegan is a very old sophomore. Yeah, he did the post-grad year. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think that teams are going to use the age factor on, on Ochai. We probably should, if like if you believe in the age and development principle that's going around, I mean, Keegan probably should be talked about with Ochai. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm just really excited to watch the those those shooting guards. Right now, like, I'm not sold on any Dookie uh, 
I, I, I just, I'll watch more of them. I felt like I've watched a ton of Duke basketball. Um, like if we got the third pick, yeah, maybe you have to take Paolo, but I, I'm just, I'm not sold. Like, again, I think he's going to be a good player, but like, it's, it's not who I I want, or I think you, you can win around. So I just, I, I need to see more like, yeah, they played well against Syracuse, but Syracuse is kind of garbage. Like, how do they play against Carolina? Like the Thursday or excuse me, Saturday at three coach K's last game. Like who, who comes to show out? Like I need, I need to see more for, from AJ Griffin as well. I may not get to see it because all he does is catch and shoot it too. They don't, they don't run. They like, you hate watching uh, Memphis play. I hate watching Duke play basketball. There's too much. There's too much talent for that team to play. Like it's 1987. I mean, they, they need to run a pick and roll, but they need to figure out a way to get Paolo, who is a fantastic offensive weapon. Like, I want to see more. Like, I felt like he showed more case or showcased more early on in the season. Um, yeah. And in terms of like who I'd be terrified to draft right now, I think you look at, I'm not saying I would be against it, but right now I'd be terrified the one-way players who are raw. You're looking at Kendall Brown from Baylor, uh, Jalen Duran from Memphis, Tari Eason from LSU. Um, those are guys who could potentially be really solid players, uh, really game-changing defenders. But I, I, I'm t- I, I think it's really like a roulette roll w- with like those three players if if they hit like the 50-50. I don't know if I could uh, go for that with so many good. good I don't think Kendall picks. Brown hits with the Portland Trailblazers. I, I just don't like if, if, if Steve Kerr was on the trailblazers, then boom, I think he's a good, he would be a very good prospect. But the fact that Brown needs the free flowing offense to really hit his value. And that will not happen with Chauncey Billups as a head coach. So I, I just don't think that he, he is even in the consideration of a blazers first round pick because of that. I think that'd be a humongous waste of a first round pick, picking somebody that needs to be in a free flowing offense and put them in the corner. Cause if, I mean, if you watch that shot, it is, it's, it's Walker Kessler slow. Yeah. And uh, obviously I'm not terrified, but I want to see more from Chet. Um, there was a minute there where he was making a run for number one on my board and then kind of watched him and Gonzaga get bullied at St. Mary's. He's only going to play against tougher competition in the dance. Like, I would love. I mean, Gonzaga is going to be a one seed. Like, I'm going to watch every Gonzaga game. Like, who does he get matched up with? Are they going to get physical with him? Um, how does he respond to that? How does Gonzaga get him the ball? Because like, he is a unicorn. He has all of that talent. And if he gets like, if he misses shots, that's not going to deter me. But it's like, if he's getting out muscled and it's impacting his game, that's where you like okay, like how much weight can you put on your frame and, and like how quick can it get done? Because that becomes the the overarching factor in, in drafting him. But if he gets like bumped off his spot and still is able to keep his balance, then you feel like, okay, like I, I can work with that. But you can't see him just get just physically manhandled. Um, he is, I still think, one of the most unique prospects we've, we've ever seen, and I would be totally fine with Portland. Is he on the him. same tier level as Jabari now after the St. Mary's game? Or did that that game sway you from the tier ones of this class? To I think he's still two? like if if you have the number one pick, like if Portland took Chet, I would be okay with it. I, I'm clearly all in on Jabari Smith, so I think Jabari's the best prospect. Um, so I think Jabari's maybe like one A 
and then Chet and a couple others could be in like maybe Chet's 1B. Um, what I saw, so you've, you've got to, it, it's weird. Like I don't try to overreact too much, but what I saw from St. Mary's and then what I saw when Auburn actually gave Jabari the ball and just the takeover mode that he was able to do, like, yeah, it's great when you see a prospect, you know, hit a pick and pop or, you know, go coast to coast as a six ten guy, but like, there were two games, the Tennessee game, they ended up losing, but Jabari brought them back. I mean, just the, the jump shooting is outrageous. And then against Mississippi state on the road, the Bulldogs regained the lead. I mean, it's the traditional college atmosphere. A ton of LSU fans made, made the, or not, Auburn fans made the trip and he just goes God mode. And then he had the move where he took a baseline finished with the dunk, like, that's what you want to see like that that is true flashes of brilliance when the pressure is really on like I think Jabari's clearly my number one but but Chet is also a a game-changing type of prospect I think that those two have developed that they are a tier at least for me they are a tier above the Paulo Ivy AJ for me so I I think those are the top five and the the last three that I mentioned are tier two. And then I think there's the tier three, tier four. I think Paolo's out of my top five. Bari, Chet, Ivy, Paolo, AJ. Okay. My top five, Jabari, Chet. And then I think that right now they're tied for me. I've got Ivy, Davis, and Matherin. Damn. Watch. I'm telling you, <laughs> Arizona was on ESPN today. Uh, I've been watching almost every Arizona game I can. Like his performance against USC um, with the conference championship on the line just took over the game. Uh, and he's engaged defensively now. Like that was your big question. Like uh, ever since they gave him more responsibilities, like I was really kind of cool, cool on him as well. Like I, I totally get that. What we saw against Illinois early in the season, I was like, yeah, that's an all right prospect. Like, yeah, maybe later in the lottery. He's made the leap. I think he's clear-cut Pac-12 player of the year. I mean, there's a reason Arizona's just running through uh, the conference. And I've got Paolo on, on the outside at six. And again, if Portland gets Paolo, that's fine. Like, he'll, he'll play really well with, with Dame. But I just – I see something in these guards. Like, I, basketball is becoming a guard league, and I, I really like – uh, what those have, but I mean, like that's why it's so important for Portland to get one of these picks. And we haven't really even touched on, you know, Shade and Sharp. Like he's kind of an unknown. I've been reading up about him. Like he kind of was a relatively unknown high school prospect. Goes to the Peach Jam, becomes the number one player in the class, reclassifies, uh, and then he's not really playing at all, which is super weird. But then Calipari thinks he's coming back. It's just it's all strange. But you're a six six. 18 year old guard you you projected to go to top 10 you're not going to spend a damn second on the on the kentucky campus next year so he's like the true wild card in this like if he stays in the draft portland could land him or it could push a better prospect down to portland just because he Mm -hmm. keeps his name in there so uh unfortunately we can't really watch there's just nothing out there on him other than dunking high school highlights and that that just that's nothing so it's really going to have to come down to like what you're hearing from people who have inside information, who get to see him at the combine at, at individual workouts. Um, one of the wild, the wildest like stories that that I can remember in, in draft history, like it, it, 
it somewhat rivals 2012 when Dion Waiters mm. was a six man at Syracuse. And all of a sudden you're hearing, oh, he has a, he has a, a promise to go first round. Oh, okay. I can see that. He has a promise to go top 20 next week. Oh, he's lottery lock. And then it's like top five, top four. And he ends up going forward to Cleveland and he, he shuts down all these workouts. It was the strangest, like how it all played out. Um, it's not quite on this level with Shadon Sharp, but it's pretty interesting that there's just, there's really nothing out there. And yet everyone's like, ESPN says he's the number one player in this draft class. So he's going to be put up there. So um, if you talk about like, I would not, nothing. if I was him, I would go in this draft because he, there's no way he tops scoop scoop Henderson. Well, look at what happened to Amani Bates. Yeah. Those, well, I mean, Amani he, has he, some issues. Okay, but well, let's. But Amani Bates, for all since he was a freshman, oh, Amani Bates, top player in the class of twenty twenty two. Boom, boom. All everyone's always when's the Amani? When's the Amani draft? Like we got to get this guy. Reclassifies, goes to Memphis. Now he's he's mocked to go because he's draft eligible next year. He's projected as a second round pick. Like he hurt the hype, mm-hmm. and sometimes uh, the best thing a prospect can do. It's fool a franchise into saying, yeah, I, I, I'm your guy. Like, I've got the hype. You can really believe in me. Uh, and and, you, and you, you're you set for life. But now he could. Well, so there's being a like, huge risk. Like, him having the athleticism of an injured Malcolm Brogdon is, is, is going to be some problematic shit. <laughs> and that's why Shaden Sharp is going to stay in the draft, if you ask me. Because. I have unfortunately watched some G League at night. Scoop's the person that you need to really care about because these other guys have some major issues in their games. I am glad that players can now take Damon likeness deals because I, I, I don't want to watch any G League basketball. I'm sorry. Watching well, like, LSU in Memphis is bad enough. I, I Well, don't you think uh, Edie needs to take advantage of these these college deals now. Cause I, I don't know how, uh, how long his NBA career is going to last with those type of movement skills. Like I'm hoping that he gets money from Canada and China and all that stuff now. Cause oh, I don't Edie's, think that con- Edie's set. He can go play international, make a very nice career oh. for himself. Yeah. It's the seven, four, not the, the Boban uh, comps are pretty real because of the size. But yeah, you get one contract in the league, even if it's the second round, you invest that wisely. You off to a good start. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything to say about this draft? Or are we gonna take this off and, uh, and argue about AJ versus Benedict? <laughs> I mean, uh stay tuned. Uh next Friday we'll be doing the, as I mentioned, the, the shooting guard from Kansas. Ochai Abaji. Uh, and then we're probably going to have some, some different content for you all. Uh, there's a couple of Baylor prospects we'll need to check out, do a deeper dive on Kendall Brown, uh, Jeremy Sochan. Um, and then after that, like we basically covered almost a lot of the lottery. It will then be like, maybe we'll do a, a mock draft episode where we go just, just lottery. Maybe, and then we'll continue to like have those throughout the year probably do a stock watch, maybe going into the tournament who, who we are looking for, uh, who's rising up our boards, who's falling and why. Um, and then maybe just do some, some reactions to like, okay, like final four just happened. What, if there are any prospects in there, who, who can we talk about? So 
Um, it's going to be really college focused uh, through through the end of, of March, and then we can start to look at you know some of these players from the G League. Obviously, we'll know more as it progresses. Is Portland going to continue losing? Are they going to win a game here or there? What are the Pelicans going to do? Uh, we won't really know uh, what picks Portland's going to have until May. So that will really um, kind of pr- provide our pathway. That will lead the direction on, on where the future Friday slash, you know, just draft content leads up to. But definitely uh, a few mock drafts, um, definitely some stock watches. You know, watch those tournaments. Um, it's not the end all be all, but it gives you a, a good insight into what a player can be. 